Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 35th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ. I am back. No more guest hosts here, but we have oh. Alan here. Hey, hey, very enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Alan here. So, yeah, I'm here. Woo. Good to be here. Good to be here. We got some, we got, we got quite a show uh, to help with the, sh- the, the quiet of ness of the show is Sean. Ooh, swing and a miss. <laughs> I am here. Thank you. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Everybody sit down. You can stop applauding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthony Birch, not here. He, you guys have the cool people when I'm, when I'm unavailable. Well, let's explain that to our listeners. Let's get real for a second and why that sure. happens. Uh, so editing with three people's tough. Editing with four people impossible re- yeah really impossible <laughs> yeah. and you don't like it if people send the audio you like to be an all-in-one machine so the problem is like if one person's quality is crap on your end then that's crap but if we had like a four-person podcast or if sean would left and we could get a special guest then it could totally happen for sure so when that happens yeah so it, it's quality control because i it's not like i sit around saying like all right, SBJ's gone. Screw that guy. Let's get someone cool to replace him. Uh, I like to think of it as it takes the coolest people to replace our most excellent host, SBJ. I'm you're sure. I just know SBJ hates so many games. There wouldn't be very many game designers we could bring on the show. Yeah, I feel, <laughs> I feel like I was like thrown under the bus last episode when you were talking to you guys. Were like, oh, Steve's so hard on games. Well, you're definitely, to be fair, you're the hardest of the three of us, but that's why you're great. It's a good mix of, yeah, I don't think you're negative Nancy by any means, but you're definitely of the three. Do you guys think that you're maybe easier on games just oh, because? Oh, way yeah. easier on games. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. I've got a real soft touch for games because for me, the game can suck, but as long as I have fun with the company, yeah, it's... The, it's all about facilitating the fun time, and if a crap game can still manage to do that, yeah. I'll still say, this game is not as good as this game, but if someone says, did you have fun? I'm not going to lie and say, like, no, I had a horrible time. And Alan hates some games that are extremely popular. We just don't talk about those games a lot because they're so popular there'd be no reason to. <laughs> seven so <wonders>. he's gotta... <laughs> For the record, I don't love send, uh, Seven Wonders. Nobody I... does. <laughs> No, so many people love Seven Wonders. I, I I do like it. I think Sushi Go is better though. If I had a choice between the two, Sushi Go. I'll play Sushi Go. I won't play Seven Wonders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think if someone pulls out Seven Wonders, I'll say, can we just play Sushi Go three or four times? Yeah. If it was like all the coolest people in the board game industry were gonna play Seven Wonders, and I could play with them, or I could sit by myself in the hallway, I'd play Seven Wonders. I think. I think Seven Wonders is enjoyable if you don't have to teach it. Like, if, if all seven people sat down and they all knew how to play it, it would probably be more enjoyable, enjoyable than to be like, okay, right, this is your first time playing. See these cards? Uh, don't worry about those. Don't play those. Do you see this? Yeah. I think the same thing could be said of masturbation, though. Like, it's a lot better when you don't have to be taught how to do it. And that's kind <laughs> of how Seven Wonders feels, too. It's like, yeah, this is... There's some interaction, but... Uh, not enough for my taste. <laughs> I'm hard on games in the way that, like, I think 
all games are like a B movie, like worth seeing once. And then like, oh, that was fine. It wasn't a waste of my time. I wouldn't see it again. I, I want to say we're off topic, but this is a podcast about board games, tabletop games, role playing games. So this this actually fits perfectly. But my question is, are you guys the main purchaser of games? Like, I think that's where I kind of get sour is like I spent $40 on this game because I got amazing reviews and either like something went wrong with my playgroup or like I actually didn't like it as much as I thought. And that kind of leaves more of a bitter taste. Whereas if I went to somebody's house, because like the first time I played um, Risk Legacy, like I didn't pay $50 for that. And like I played it once or twice and I had a great time. But I could see on the other end of me paying for Risk Legacy and like my playgroup not getting together or like writing on the board and ruining it by like spelling a word wrong or something. I don't know. I've, I feel like it's like be- I have an $80 Pathfinder card game I'm never going to play like that because I bought it. You know, my playgroup was like, eh, OK. And I think that like that situation makes me more like sour on a game of like, oh, I spent the money and I spent the time reading the rule book and now you guys don't like it. Yeah, I I I buy all the games for my group, but they buy their own games. But I'm a gaming addict. I'm not representative, I think, of the norm because I'm hooked. I don't buy fancy clothes. If you ever meet me in person, you'll see a much schlub. I definitely don't have a fancy car. I don't travel too much except for the gaming company. So I just spoil myself with games. I should just go play games at Plaid Hat because they're in town and they're close by and they got a game night every Tuesday night and I would never have to buy a board game ever again, but I just don't make it out. Yeah, those guys oh, suck. Speaking no, of Plaid kidding. Hat. <laughs> Plaid Hat's cool. I love Plaid Hat. Speaking of which, uh, Colby actually gave us some interaction satisfaction. Well, that's he, right. Yeah, yeah. He has a message for us, but we'll get to that later on, I'm sure. We're supposed to talk about the Kickstarter that's going on right Meow. And the fact that by the time uh, this airs, Sean will have been back from BGG Con Spring, and I will have been back from Kubla Con in San Francisco. When did BGG Con have a spring? Is this their first year? I feel like... I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty so. sure this is the first year. Yeah. Stunning research by the team right there. Yeah. All right. Good. What is, <laughs> yeah, what, is, so, yeah. what is Kubla Con? Is that like a... All right. So Kubla Con's a smaller convention, and I've only heard of it through the grapevine, through werewolf friends that meet at Gen Con and Origins. And they're like, oh man, Kubla Khan's like nothing but werewolf. It's amazing. So I figured I would go ahead and check it out. And Ted Elspeck. What, of, what is your werewolf love? Where do you rank? Oh, I love werewolf. I've played werewolf a lot. I would Almost say, 20 years. Yeah, so my Tuesday night groups really started with Werewolf as their first game outside of video games. The true history of my Tuesday night gatherings that I've had every Tuesday for almost two decades, I'm getting old, uh, is Halo Night. Started with Halo. We played video games like, hey, let's go outside a little bit. And then we played outdoor stuff like swimming and volleyball. And then we started playing Werewolf on the campfire. And then it just kind of evolved into a gaming night so yeah it's now it's almost nothing but board gaming yeah mm. but i love mm. i love werewolf so uh ted alspec's there from bezier games he said yeah it's pretty cool so i'm gonna go there check it out i'm not running any official two rooms and events uh although i will be bringing two rooms and a boom with me and i'm not running any official world championship russian roulette events 
but I will be bringing some beta copies with me to the convention. So if people want to play, we're going to play. Which people really should play, because I think that's something that uh, has been overlooked with us not having a free print and play for that game online, is that just not enough people have played this game as really should. I will say that, uh, and this is a perfect transition into the Kickstarter, because World, World Championship Russian Roulette is on Kickstarter now. I will say, I though, when I, was on, when I was at Gen Con in 2015, I didn't know you guys had a new game until the the last day of the con where i was just actually like saying goodbye to you guys and there and then alan was like hey did you play our new game and i was like no and then i played it and i enjoyed it but like it's good it's good yeah it's super good but like i don't i think you guys are, are, are right and smart even doing the print and play is just to get the word out and world champion didn't have a print and play no, it didn't. And lesson learned, I think in the future, we will always have a print and play for our games. And we just talked about that today. The other thing, and I think you just pointed it out, is we didn't have a coupon in the coupon book, did we, for Gen Con last year? And we always do that. And that brings a lot of traffic to our booth, Sean. So this year, we're hoping to hand some people some free coupon games. And I'm excited about this one. Yeah, at Origins, they're going to get the taste of Sean's duel. It's <laughs> good. Dear I'm Lord. I'm just going to take that sound bite and then repeat it for a solid 60 seconds. <laughs> Make a drop out of it. <laughs> just play it, whatever. Hey, speaking of sound bites, let's take a bite out of the Pokemon of the episode. Oh, my gosh. When, when did this start? Was it's a thing, SBJ. Just let it go. Let it happen. All right. All right. Just go with it. I just Pokemon want I just want our listeners to know how you throw things at me. <laughs> That's hey, right. This I love is in it. celebration of it's super effective getting to be one of the top podcasts of all time on iTunes. Yeah. Uh, within Invincible Man. I, I wasn't on last week, but I will say we snuck Shut back into face, the SBJ. I will say we snuck back into the top two hundred again. All right, so the it, this you're making a game out of this. Uh, sure, yeah. You want me to tell you a Pokemon, and you have to guess if it's a real Pokemon or not. Yeah. So I could just make up a word, and you have to guess. Right. Last last week's oh no, two weeks ago we did this, and two weeks ago's Pokemon, if I remember correctly, it was Bofa, and not a real Pokemon. I looked it up, Sean. Bofa is not a real Pokemon, Sean. Oh, you didn't you didn't you didn't find any Bofa. I didn't find it. I, I didn't only, only, <laughs> only. Bofa these nuts. <laughs> yeah, so not. Uh, anyway, we're, yeah. we're getting old. All, All right. right. I was prepared for this. All right, let's hear it. All right. Is this a real Pokemon? The Pokemon's name is Garboder. I'm going to say yes, and he's purple. No, beige. Ugh. A beige Pokemon. Yeah, Garboarder is a real Pokemon. He is uh, purple and green, actually. Oh, I Wait. should have stuck with my first choice. Really? Mm-hmm. It, it's a giant pile of trash uh, with, Gar- like, pipes and... Oh, like Garb odor. Yep. Like Gar- garbage odor. and odor. Uh, he looks oh. like somebody, like, shit out a bunch of Easter eggs. <laughs> He's really cool. <laughs> he oh, looks man. Really cool. 
Now we have a new insult. All right, moving on from Pokemon of the episode. That was the Pokemon of the episode. <laughs> I like how you went from the Kickstarter to Pokemon of the episode. Let's go back to the Kickstarter. You guys launched World Championship Russian Roulette. It has, I think, yeah. almost 500 uh, backers. It is almost, as of this recording, at $20,000. Uh, what are what are you guys' thoughts? Are you happy with the progress? Or are you not happy with the progress? <laughs> Super happy. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. We funded within the first 24 hours, so mm, feels so good. Thank you for it's always your game. It's always like an emotional roller coaster, but this one's just been really fun because everything's come together really well. The art, the graphic design, you know, um, the game is amazing. Uh, just felt a lot. I don't know if, if cooler would be the word, but like calmer going into this one than the last one. There were so many unknowns on Tourums and a Boom and so many things on this one where we could just say, like, it's going to cost this. This is how the, you know, the finances break down, that kind of thing. I will say that I'm getting almost no sleep whatsoever. It's a weird combination of the day before Christmas for those of our listeners or you that have experienced that excitement. And it's also the day before a race or actually at the starting line. It's that weird mix. If you ever are on a race and you're waiting for that starting gun to go off and the day before, it's it's like a combination of that. And my phone lights up anytime we get a backer because it says, hey, so-and-so just backed. So-and-so just backed. And it's always interesting because the first day, it's lighting up constantly and then it slows down. And then and it's battery's like this- dead. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does actually wear down the battery a little bit, which is cool. But as I'm trying to sleep at night, I'll just see my phone glow. <laughs> and so does my face a little bit. Every time it glows, it's just a little bit of a smile. A little bit I'm of pretty smile. excited about uh, the stretch goals uh, for this one because... Oh, yeah. For two rooms and a boom, uh, we kind of shot our load a little early. And we had we all made these... some mistakes. We made yeah, some mistakes. Definitely. But this one, I feel like we've done a really good job of like researching stretch goals that would really improve the quality of the game um, without Im- like increasing the timeline at all. Um, and I think we've got, you know, there are a couple on there right now. One is improving the card quality of the teammate cards, which I'm super excited about. Yeah, and one, it sounds like a small deal. It's a huge deal. Absolutely. Because you have to deal. flip them over all the time um, because right. they die, stuff like that. Just And it just helps you like, tactily feel the difference between your different components which is important when you're like setting up and tearing down the game a bunch right and what's that goal set at is that at uh 25 000? 000. yeah all right actually already yeah not there yet though uh, and then the next one is for bullet tokens and upgrading them to be shiny to give them a little gloss um, wow. which we can actually kind of design sort of like we had on the first edition of two rooms in a boom just this uv spot coating they call it which uh would really make those things just look and feel so nice. You ever see any Orbit commercial before, SBJ? The gum? Yeah, I'm familiar. You know, how the, you, you know what the woman's teeth does at the end of every mm-hmm. Orbit commercial? That's what the tokens will do. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to sell me on it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just letting you know. I need you to increase your pledge, SBJ. <laughs> uh, I do have a bold question, and obviously you guys don't know the answer, but I was looking at the Two Rooms Boom Kickstarter. I think you guys almost had over 2,000 backers, and it was sitting at... 102, 102, and we had 3,600 backers. Yeah, 102, 102, serendipity. It's magical. Okay. I was a little off. My mistake. Um, 
Hey, do you guys? I get that all the time. <laughs> do you guys think that World Championship Russian Roulette will hit that level? It's doing pretty well, and I think we've got a lot of things going for it from now and until the future. I think people are still learning about it, which is really cool. And we're gonna have Origins as well as Kublicon and BGGCon Spring right in a row while the Kickstarter is live. Um, and I think a ton of people are gonna play it at Origins this year just because word of mouth is spreading. Yeah, so, so this one has a couple advantages and disadvantages compared to Two Rooms and a Boom. First of all, main advantage of Two Rooms and a Boom, it plays six to 30 players. So in one game, we've just taught 30 people how to play, and it only takes 15 minutes to play. So that thing's contagious like HPV, man. Yeah, it's a much more communicable disease. <laughs> right, but World Championship Russian Roulette, it only plays up to six players, and the game plays like 20 minutes, so it's more intense and more deliberate. But the thing that it does like have Ebola. going... Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's not like you're having fun while you're getting Ebola. It's usually just... Anyway, so... Wait, scrap that. That didn't make any sense because I only want to talk about fun. The other thing is that it has going for it, though, is Anthony Birch, right? So Anthony Birch, big deal. And that's cool. Hopefully his realm of interest brings in some people because he's a much cooler guy than I am. And he's a much bigger geek than I am, as evidenced by our last episode. So the amount of people that listen to me, not as much as people listen to Anthony Birch. And that's just smart, in my opinion. Is there a, a point, like, did Two Rooms and a Boom do so well because you, you demoed it for so many years and then you built the hype to the Kickstarter? Like, to get as many people as you did to back it wasn't just, I can't imagine just, like, word of mouth. Or maybe it was. I mean... It it's that word of mouth from having played it. You know, it's from it being taken to different shows. The free print and play meant that, like, we were meeting people that had played the game that we never taught because they were like, oh, Clyde, you know, printed out and played it at, in DC or something like that. So we had a lot of people sort of teaching other people to play it because it was so Before easy. Before it was even out on Kickstarter, yeah. It was already on the print and play is a big thing, too, because you can't do, I'm not sorry, print and play, the play by forum. So a lot of people were playing Two Rooms and a Boom on Board Game Geek well before it was released on Kickstarter because you can play it by forum. And I think that leads into the next point, too. A big difference between Two Rooms and a Boom and World Championship Russian Roulette, Two Rooms and a Boom instantly seems unique. Instantly people think, I've never heard, this sounds awesome. And it's such a quick sales pitch as well, a relatively quick explanation of how it works. Two rooms, a time limit, get the bomber and president together, done. With World Championship Russian Roulette, people think, well, I've heard of Press Your Luck games before, and I know a lot of bluffing games. Uh, so it's one of these things where like, well, I have some of those games already. It doesn't really stand out just from the pitch as the most unique game ever. It's not until someone plays it that they realize, whoa, this really is different. This really is the best press your luck bluffing game with simultaneous play in a realm of Russian roulette. I mean, it's really unique. It's just that I believe people, when they hear the pitch, think, okay, yeah, it sounds like a game instead of it sounds like the most amazing game ever. And maybe I'm tooting our own horn, but that's kind of the feel that we got in response to Two Rooms and a Boom. I'd rather play World Championship Russian Roulette than Two Rooms and a Boom. Yeah, that's really easy to say, too, because we've played a lot of Two Rooms and a Boom. <laughs> yeah. 
but you get to sit down, not all that kind of stuff. Trooms That's and Boom's true. great, but you know. Sean said that first thing. He's like, "Hey, man, I like this a lot more than Trooms and Boom." I'm like, what? Really? He's like, "Yeah, look at me. I'm sitting down." <laughs> yeah. Selling Huge point needs to go on design the element was that you would sit down in the next game. <laughs> yeah, Sean's like, "I'm sick of this standing up and talking crap. Let's just get down to it." Cool. Well, for for our listeners who haven't backed the Kickstarter. Do you have like a, is there any more things you can sell them on to get them to back your guys' Kickstarter? Do you like orgasms? Then you'll love World Championship Russian Roulette. Ah, so much clean up. Yeah, I, you know what? We have a lot of good stuff coming, actually. I think that's a real good point is... Uh, we're going to start releasing more images of the actual game. We're going to reveal some backstory to some of the characters we're thinking. We actually did a little tease in today's update where I talked about my Uncle Daryl, but my Uncle Daryl is actually one of the characters in the game. So we're going to reveal a lot more. It's 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 slick. Yeah, I think as more people play it and maybe there'll be more gameplay footage, more people will understand like, oh, man, this game. Yeah, this is worth it. For the listeners, just because Alan and Sean didn't say, uh, World Championship Russian Roulette is on Kickstarter for $25. Ships anywhere in the world, too. We have we have a lot of interaction satisfaction, so do you guys want to move right into that? Yeah, let's sure. do it. It's been a while since we've done this. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Yeah, you had some stuff for Anthony last week, but I think we have a lot more stuff to uh, wade through here. Yeah, I just had the one that was for Anthony by Bill Wetzel, but there's a lot of things here. Yeah, a lot of it just fanfare, like Benjamin Collins and Byron. They contacted uh, me personally and just said, hey, just want to say thank you for great work. You guys are awesome. Enjoy the podcast. Found out about you from Shut Up and Sit Down. Really enjoy everything you guys do. So a lot of compliment ones, but also some actual topical questions as well. Do you, do you want to go back and forth here? Sure, yeah. Let's do it. What well, do you have? I'll start with uh, Sarah Booth. I don't know if we should say their last names or not. I mean, sure. 12.06. <laughs> uh, Sarah's from Manchester. She says, absolutely love the show. Think all you guys are awesome. Bit of a random question, but I thought I'd ask it anyways. I'm looking for a game suggestion that my dad could play, preferably not a party game like Codenames. He's in a wheelchair and has limited motor skills, so picking up cards and rolling dice is not something he'd be able to do. Any thoughts of games that he could play that he could not get fully involved with rather than uh, someone else just taking the majority of his turn? If you can't think of any, don't worry about it. Just thought it would be fun for uh, when we go to the cabin on holidays, keep up the great work. Sarah, shut up, Sarah. I already got your answer. I am super Sarah. excited for World Championship Russian Roulette. Oh, thanks, Sarah. I'm glad you didn't <laughs> shut up. Keep going. Do you? I don't. I don't have an answer. I can't. I can't think of oh, one. Oh, I've got one. Oh, I'm sure, man. Alan's got great ones. Oh mine my are, god. Mine are boring. Mine are, you know, role playing games. I think could be fun, even within the family. I know it sounds a little weird, but uh, and werewolf. And the resistance, stuff like that. Super, super easy. Here's the easy sell because it's easy entry, doesn't take a lot of time, 
And all you do is hold two cards, and you don't even have to use the cards if you don't want to. You can just count down from three and say it, and that's ink and gold. Are you going in deeper or are you running away? Going in deeper or running away? And that's all it takes. You flip over cards to see if you're going to press your luck or if you're going to run away and take the treasure you've earned. Spring of two traps of the same type, and you lose all the treasure that you earned in that temple thus far. Going in deeper or running away, Dad? There you go, Sarah. You're welcome. All right. Patrick Nichols says, why the heck have you not had me on your podcast? That's my thought and question. Well, Patrick, it's because SBJ hates you. I hate Yardmaster. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think we should totally have Patrick on sometime. Uh, oh, he's great. He's he's the most loving guy, one of the most loving people I've ever met, for sure. He does he, he does seem like a great guy. I and I, I I have said that I dislike Yardmaster, but I do like Pirates Den, which is another Crash Games. So yeah. Crash of Games now. Crash of Games, yes. I, I liked Pirate Den a lot and I played it I played it three or four times now. Speaking of which, he just got the rights to Finca and he's pretty excited about that. So Crash of Games is gonna be publishing Finca, which was nominated for Spiel Yaris, I think like a few years ago. And then the publisher let the rights expire, so he snagged it up, and now he's excited about that. Little plug for you, Senior Patrick. What's the <laughs> what's the story behind Crash of Games? So I don't know, but here's my interpretation. So this is my horrible journalistic integrity of it, because I don't know. I think it's this. Patrick had Crash Games, and then he got involved with Geek Chic, and they combined their powers and I'm not exactly sure what that entails, whether it's like he always has to demo his games on a Geek Chic table or if he's also a sales rep for Geek Chic. And somehow in that mating of the two companies, they came up with a new company, Crash of Games. I'm not exactly sure why, but that's something we could totally ask him when we get him on here, if we get him on here. Yeah. Steven, Steve Avery commented, if he comes on, can I call in and heckle? Referring to Patrick. So... <laughs> That'd be amazing to have Patrick and Steven on in the same episode. <laughs> yeah, I'd eventually like to get like a Slack channel or something to where people can be, you know, messaging us or whatever. Yeah. What do you got for us, SBJ? I got a email from Pete. I actually know Pete. He's a big fan of my other show, so he's a good guy. He says, hey, Alan, SBJ, and Sean, love the show. I was oh, just thanks. looking through my retail copy of Two Rooms in a Boom, and I was noticing the different cards between... It and the print and play version. How did you decide which cards to keep and which to take out? With some of the wackier ones like the Easter Bunny, it seems like an easy choice, but the monster cards seem like they'd be a bit tougher to take out. Just curious what the thought process was there. Thanks for the great games and great show. You ever played uh, darts? <laughs> <laughs> Just put them on a dartboard and through. No, it actually was a lot more methodical than that. We asked for a lot of feedback. And after hosting the game so many times, it really came down to what is a majority of people's favorites, while also some cards that have that niche favorite excitement. For instance, the zombie, so many people get excited about, but it's very polarizing. A lot of people don't like the zombie card, but enough people get excited about it, we thought, let's put it in there. Other ones were really close to putting it in, and I remember there were a couple we weren't sure on, and I actually asked, shut up and sit down, Quentin Smith, like, hey, which ones do you think we should put in? And I, I've, I talked about this before. He said, well, don't ask me that because of journalistic integrity. All I'm going to say is I definitely want the ambassador in there. And the ambassador was on the list. I'm like, ha ha, suck on that. 
that was the one I wanted. I was wondering if we should put in or not. So it really came down to judgment on some of them, but a lot of them were really clear. Like you have to have Koi Boy, you have to have the spy, you have to have the engineer and the doctor. Even like Shy Guy, people hate being the Shy Guy, but people really want it to be in the game. People want the threat. Yeah, I will say this. If I could do it all over again, I might make slightly different choices. And in fact, this probably shouldn't even talk about this, but Sean and I are talking about another version of Two Rooms and a Boom. We'll just call it Super Secret Project Lighter, and it would have fewer cards, but maybe some different ones. Yeah. Mm. Maybe like a booster pack. But anyways, more on that later on. That's in the pipeline. Super Secret Project Lighter. Do you got another one, or uh, you want me to go? Oh, sure. I have another one. Uh, oof, yeah. Should get through these. Joe Wiggins asked, is a hot dog a sandwich? Not sure if this is the podcast. I don't think we have the expertise. Uh, I, I do have the expertise. Oh, let's hear it, please. Is a waffle a pancake? I, I don't know that, but that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I according, want to get a baseline here for how crazy you're going to be. According to the city of New York, a hot dog is indeed a sandwich. There is a official document that restaurants have to abide to and hot dog is listed under sandwich i mean it's meat and two pieces of bread right yeah sweet basically what i, I mean am. my personal opinion is i i strongly <laughs> believe a hot dog is a sandwich what do you mean strongly believe like i mean it's a conviction about it i in the war of sandwich versus non-hand sandwich sean he has a side pick. That line has been drawn. Yeah, yeah. He's firmly planted on one side. Just like watch it. Just like, like with the <laughs> mutants and the regular people in X Men. Just like how I am with board games, I'm strongly towards liking yeah. something or disliking something. I'm not wishy washy. I like that. You know what you like. I'll be honest. I'm in that camp of Switzerland. I don't give a crap. Like I, I don't eat hot dogs. I'm not a hot dog fan. Never. To have. be fair. So the audience knows you don't eat anything. <laughs> it's true. I eat Soylent. It's true. But I still have taste. Soylent's like there's good. a local place I'm going to take you to, Sean, known as the Melt. They have so many vegan options. It will blow your mind harder than world championship rush in your life. Famous Cleveland uh, grilled cheese sandwich place, right? Yeah, you even know it. Yeah, the Melt. Woo. That famous. All right. What do you got? You got our uh, last newsletters. You might have thought the mind melt. Oh, yeah. Free game. Ooh, awful. Ooh. Man, so I feel bad because some of these emails are a little bit old. Uh, this one's from Nick. It's a little bit of a longer email, so bear with me here. Uh, I really enjoyed le- the latest episode. I don't know what, I don't know what episode that is. Uh, as much as I love hearing about board games, I really enjoy listening to you guys talk honestly and about real issues. I really, in- I really liked the relaxed atmosphere of the episode. I totally... Get wanting to be the po- wanting the podcast to be more accessible for all ages, and I respect that. But I liked what I liked that Alan swore a lot, and you all spoke very frankly. It made it feel a yeah. lot. It made it feel a lot more honest. It felt less like you were trying to appeal to more people, which makes sense why you would, but some can sometimes feel forced, and like you were just expressing opinions, which I really liked. The topic of discussion was also one I could relate to. Back to. Back when my friends were 15 or 16, we spoke just like SBJ's brother. Oh, this was the episode where I said that, like, I didn't like the word retarded. Yeah. Oh, man, and we talked about so your well brother. Yeah. Yeah, um, keep going. I also cringed when I just said that, but obviously. 
it's in reference of someone else saying it. Right, yeah. Uh, one day, uh, one of us decided to say touch instead of rape. We all kind of looked at him cockeyed and asked why, and he said, I just don't like saying rape. It implies bad stuff. And within a week, we all started doing the same thing. I think we had our own moment when we realized that our vocabulary was potentially offensive and it should be changed. I really admire my friend for doing that. I think it provides hope for the people who still talk like that and I that they can have their moment just like we did. Thanks for reading this email. It's very long-winded, too long, didn't read. Really love the episode. Great job on the podcast overall. I look forward to each episode. Nick. Should yeah. this go into the Boris email, Alan? Yeah, sure. You want me to read the Boris email? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of directly references the last email we got. It, it does. It does, in fact. So, um, whew. so Boris contacted us via podcast at Tuesday Night Games and said, I was listening to your wonderful podcast and came across episode 12, the one where everyone gets into heavy topics, which must be the same one that you just referenced, SBJ. And I had a question for Alan, SBJ, and Sean. What is the appropriate method for calling someone out or use of the word gay as an insult or otherwise inappropriately? Is it appropriate to call someone out who I only have a passing acquaintance with? I'm asking this as someone who's gay, but unsure of how to call someone out on it. As a sidebar, I love everything you do, and I'm greatly enjoying Two Rooms and One Boom, and I'm looking forward to enjoying World Championship Russian Roulette. Keep up your amazing work. Awaiting your reply, Boris. I'm not sure if that's how he actually says his name, but that's how I say Boris. <laughs> I just uh, don't say my name that often. Whew, yeah, so some heavier topics. I think this is this is the best way. Uh, if you guys mind if I answer at sure, first? Sure. I mean, yeah, I'm going to agree or disagree afterwards. Sure, sure. I think the only way that you can actually change someone's mind is with an honest conversation. Because the alternatives are either arguments or something that potentially leads into an argument where you just interrupt the natural flow of the moment and conversation and inject something. It depends on the severity of it. If someone has started saying something really, really extremely offensive, and to be realistic, there are different levels of offense. They're all bad. But if someone said something really offensive, then it's only natural to be like, whoa, hey, time out. What the F, dude? What are you saying? But if it's not at that severity and it's kind of teetering, I, I personally believe the compromise would be almost waiting for appropriate conversation or putting in that request later on, like, hey, we should talk about this later. I've got some uh, I've got some ideas I'd like to share on that. And then that may provoke the natural curiosity of them reaching into your realm of what are you talking about? Let's have a conversation, because as soon as you start blasting your beliefs on someone else, the natural human reaction is to push back. So every what is what's the physics rule? Help me out, guys. I never passed a physics class. E mm. equals mc squared. No. <laughs> every every action has an equal and opposite pi reaction. Is three point one four one four one five nine two six five has an equal and opposite reaction, and I, you need to make sure the atmosphere is conductive. And if these are acquaintances and or friends, and they actually are worth your time. I think they would naturally have the inclination to find out what your ideas were. So long story short, I think the response would be, whoa, hey, I've got some ideas on that, but we can talk about it when you want to. And just make the invitation, not let's talk about this right now or let's never talk about this. But hey, if you want to talk about that, I would love to because there's some things here that are worth discussing. Thoughts on that, guys? I think 
I, I, you, you all, you make, you make very good points, and I have two, two situations. I'll try to keep them short. Um, that relate both to Boris and and Nick's email. Um, so the the first story is my my lunch has become reliving my Facebook post in the past because Facebook does this thing where it likes to say, "Hey, look at your memories for the day." You know, four years ago, five years ago, six years ago, and that comes with me seeing what I've said like seven or eight years ago, like one of the posts today, and I think it was from eight years ago, was, was me, me saying on Facebook, oh, I think the Xbox 360 is gay. Gay being an insult there. And, obviously, and I don't talk like that now, and I frown upon people that talk like that. That's referring to, you know, when I told my brother, like, hey, don't use words like that, especially around, you know, my friends. And I think that comes, and this is relating, I think, more to Nick's email. This comes from, like, I remember that situation. I remember the people I hung out with and like, I remember us all talking like that. And I have to like applaud Nick for doing for the, the situation he was in, because I, I really think it comes down to like, just like hanging out with people and being with that and just talking like they talk or acting like they act. And when one person is like honest enough to be like, Hey, I don't like that. It really does change the the dynamic of, how you talk and how that situation um, rolls out and so like i think my brother would be would continue saying the things he does if i didn't say like hey this is like why you shouldn't say that like none of us say that so like when when you say it you definitely stand out and like you look like the weird one i think you're in a great position too because your brother's not your acquaintance he's your brother you could literally take a shit on him and he's still gonna be your brother no matter what so I think, if anything, that's almost one of your duties as a brother to say, hey, man, I'm calling you out right here and right now. So props to you. Uh, it's, it's interesting because Boris's email actually chimes to me because one of, I'm going to complete disclosure. One of the reasons I'm so tired is not because of the Kickstarter, even though that keeps me awake. It's also because Overwatch came out at the same time that our Kickstarter did. I've been playing a crap ton of Overwatch and I have a friend, Gregory, and Gregory has a bunch of friends, and we've been playing together as a group, like this team of six. And those guys, I was amazed at some of their language, not the profanity, but using the terms gay, retarded, and rape specifically. And, you know, we should apologize and maybe lead with this episode saying, hey, there may be some trigger words for some individuals and topics that some people may not like to even hear because it can trigger by definition some harsh feelings but anyway it, it was awkward and my emotional response was i don't even i've never even met these guys in person i only know greg and greg listens to the podcast so hey greg i noticed <laughs> that about your friends so uh hey shame on you yeah i i don't know but what does that mean like what's my role it's one of these weird situations like should i say something should i say hey you guys especially since i'm the odd man out all of these guys know each other and they're friends with one another I'm the new guy. I'm the guy that just got Overwatch. Like, hey, you can join our little pod of video game friends. So anyway, Boris and oh, interesting topics. It's it's tough. I'm not sure. I think this will probably lead to the conversation with Greg and maybe that conversation will lead into whatever stuff. All right. So here's my thought on it. Um, I have a different approach. And first off, I just want to say I'm sorry, Boris, that you're going through that. That sounds terrible. Uh, Speaking of somebody who used to use the word gay a ton um, as a pejorative, 
uh, and I have a propensity to sort of say offensive things all the time. But one thing I think gets downplayed a lot when talking to people about their language or whatever, if it offends you, is I think something that's hard to do but actually generates the best results for me is to just tell someone like, hey, that hurts my feelings when you do that. And nobody wants to say that because we don't want to look weak or we don't want to look like um, like a like a baby or whatever. But I think it's difficult because it's difficult to say to somebody like, hey, you hurt my feelings. But I think it most clearly gets at what we're trying to say here, which is that like you did something you probably didn't know it would hurt my feelings, but it did. And I'm just letting you know that so you can continue to do it or not do it. Just be aware of the effect it's having on me. Um, and I think it's really simple to do that because you don't have to blame them. You don't have to like explain their behavior away. You don't have to say to like correct them. You're just giving them like the raw information, which is like, Hey, when you say that that hurts my feelings. Yeah. And it's I, simple, but not necessarily easy as you pointed out. Oh, definitely not easy, but yeah. Yeah. I think so. What's really at risk here is loss of friendship and connections because they could drop you as a friend, or if you get offended enough, you could drop them as a friend or acquaintance or whatever. So that's really what's at risk here, besides the larger social implications, obviously. But when talking to, using my instance, because I only have my own viewpoint to use, if I called those guys out, I probably wouldn't be welcomed back into their pod, or at least that's the fa fear. So I don't, I mean, that's what risk. So it, it, I, I agree, Boris, it sucks not sure what to do because I, I understand what's at risk. And I've used your tactic, Sean, before. And in many cases, it's worked well at the very least because it made me feel better about me. So like, you know what? I was honest. And if they drop me, at least it was they have best. that information now. They know what they're doing. Exactly. Because, you know, telling somebody that you don't like any of their behavior is difficult, you know, whether it's like like a sensitive issue like that or if it's just something like, uh, you know, you never listen to my stories or you interrupt when I'm talking like those are all things that fall into that same realm where at some point you just have to tell this person like you're going to keep doing this and it's going to keep hurting my feelings or annoying me and you should probably know because if you don't know there's nothing you can do about it i want in your situation alan i would almost like leave that group and like i know you're playing with one of your friends but like to me i wouldn't i i would not be in a position to say something because like you said you're you're the new guy in there so like i you would instantly get pushback but like i wouldn't i couldn't handle sitting in an environment like that like to me that takes the fun out of the game which is supposed to be fun wow yeah well no it, pretty, it's, pretty big conviction of pj yeah <laughs> it is and that's the balancing act is do i want to give up this extra experience points i get for being in a group or do i stand by my morals is this worth it and it's one of those things that it's not until after the fact that's done you look back and think man i wish i would have said something or did something differently it's you uh, revisionist history is always something that has bitten me in the ass because I'm not quick enough or woody enough to think of these things right there and then. And man, I, you know, I wish I, I would, but you bring up a great point because I'm so fiercely in love with Greg. He's such a good friend and I want to hang out with him. And anytime <laughs> I get to hang with him is just gold. I'm really excited because he actually gets a volunteer for us at origins. So that will be cool. And if you come on down SBJ, you'll get to meet Greg now I'm scared that you'll give him shit about your friends. Like, yeah, Greg, I heard about your shitty friends. I, your friends I mean, I like fucking chocolates. <laughs> like, yeah, but I, let's be really honest too, though, because it doesn't mean necessarily that your brother's a piece of crap or that you are a piece of crap. It's just that maybe they haven't yet had that experience 
of someone saying, you hurt my feelings, or, hey, there's a conversation here that's worth discussing. I hope you guys want to talk about it because these terms are not okay for very specific reasons. And I will say, like, you don't have to not be, you don't have to be offended by everything other people are offended by. I don't think anybody needs to be the same level offended about anything. You just have to not offend people. You know what I mean? Like, if something doesn't bother you, I think that's fine, but you have to be out there in the world also not bothering other people, you know? Yeah, yeah. and some people disagree with that because a lot of people say, hey, man, being offensive is not against the law. And that's true, but you're shitting where you eat. And that's the counter argument to that. Like, yeah, cool, you can shit where you eat, but it's going to smell like shit after a while. We're just trying to clean up the place so it doesn't smell so bad. Right, and and I mean, you could you could easily say, like, don't be offended or like obviously you can't control what other people say that may or may not offend you and i'm not offended by a lot of things there's a there's a certain five or six certain words that i really can't tolerate and i play online games a lot and uh, i play with my girlfriend irene a lot who uh is one a girl which gets targeted online and two she's black so again getting targeted for that so like we play a lot of online games and we cycle through a lot of different people we play with just because we play a lot of like very heavy group based games. And like, I've gotten to the point where like when I make a post, like looking for people for my group, it's like, Hey, just to let you know, we're playing with a girl and just to let you know, like she's black. And like, I'm blunt about that. And nine times out of 10, like people who respond to that post to like join our game are like, cool, man. Like, what's up? Let's go. Let's do it. Those two like situations right there, like eliminate, like, a lot of those trigger words that we've discussed earlier and I'm playing a game to enjoy it. And there are way too many people out there to play with. So like, if you're going to say a word that like, I don't like and triggers me, I will just find another group. Like I don't have time to deal with like your bullshit because you're stuck in your 12 year old mentality. Sure. Yeah. I'll give you credit with doing the disclaimers ahead of time. I teach in downtown Cleveland and there's a lot of prejudice against the LGBTQ community in Cleveland traditionally. And I've always had issues with improper language use and terminology in class. And that's really uncomfortable because the position there is I'm the professor and they're my student. So there it's my job. And there have been just arguments happening in class. And now I start every class with saying, hey, just so you know, I'm the safe zone advisor. And just it's now two years ago, but I start every class with this. Two years ago, I had a student that was murdered for being openly gay and while waiting for the bus to come to try C. So it's one of these things that I'm incredibly sensitive to. And since I've given that little spiel at the beginning of class when reading the syllabus, it's been turned down so much. And I don't know if it's because there's this growing change in the society in which I teach, which would be amazing if that's the case, where there's more acceptance, less hate, or if it's just like, oh, well, can't say that in this room because we'll get in trouble for it. But I, either way, I'm not sure I care because, uh, again, don't crap where you eat. Why don't we crap where we eat? <laughs> <Yarr>! <laughs> Topic for next time. Time for next time. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're over time. I'm sorry, SPJ. Uh, Captain Hook is that's okay. Captain Hook. Whoa, he's <laughs> uh, Captain Chessbeard. Why, why don't we save the rest of our feedback for next time, just so we have, you know, we don't want to burn through all our material. That's right. Hey, and thanks for writing in, guys. You guys are giving us some great material. Those are our Tuesday knaves. <laughs> 
I don't I don't know if it's gonna stick, man. I just don't know. Maybe when we have a Patreon, we can just have people back at certain levels or whatever to where uh, you could just write the topics for us as opposed to writing in. You just have access to the document. You tell us what to talk about. And that's what we do. Yeah, I'm willing to give up Tuesday knaves as long as Pokemon of the episode lasts forever. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm indifferent to either. Uh, what I was going to say, though, is if you have an email, whether it's board game or non-board game related, as, as we've just discussed, and hopefully that was entertaining or, I mean, thought at least made you think a bit, you can send an email over to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com and we'll, uh, we'll eventually get to it. Usually we, we get to it when we, we get a build-up so we can go through and, and not just do like one or two emails. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's all I have on my end, guys. I don't know if you wanted to shout something out before we wrap up here. Thanks for backing World Championship Russian Roulette. If you haven't backed, don't know why you're listening to this, and we'll have an elevator pitch next time if you were hoping for an elevator pitch. Sorry! Yeah, 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 we will, we will. Uh, Alan, where can our listeners find you? You can find me on Kickstarter. You just search for World Championship Russian Roulette. Perfect. Sean? You can find me on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Great. Cool. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake, and you can also follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter at PlayTKG. And yeah, World Championship Russian Roulette is on Kickstarter for like the next like 27 more days. So uh, back it. Otherwise, did we already say our email address? Did we already say that? I'm sorry. Yeah, we did. Oh, Chessbeard, you missed your opportunity. Darn, sorry. I've got the, the herp. <laughs> Built with a K. Otherwise, uh, I think this episode is finished. <laughs> okay.